Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Peter Bulmer, owner of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Canadian aftermarket professionals, sponsored by Sirius XM Canada. Sirius XM is making it possible to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash four shops for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm your host as always, Peter Bomer, and today I am joined by Tom Gattuso. Tom, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Peter. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. So I wanted to have you on because it's kind of an interesting time in your space right now. So for anyone who doesn't know the name, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you're with. So I'm with SEMA, which is the Specialty Equipment Market Association. And really what that is, is specialty equipment that goes on vehicles, performance products, enhancement products, really anything you can think of that makes your car look better, perform better, just kind of be cool. So uh, really happy to be in an industry that's so passion driven and be able to work on my second passion, which is producing large automotive events. And, and I've been fortunate in my career to be able to do that, but there's no better place on the planet than SEMA and the SEMA show for bringing the industry together for one of the best events in the world. Yeah, obviously very well-known event. For any listener who hasn't been, I strongly urge you to check it out. It is a absolute mammoth of a show and always a great time. I was actually really impressed, Tom, with how SEMA went uh, last year, kind of considering the uncertainty, you know, particularly at the beginning of the year, there was kind of a, a trepidation or a hesitation, I think, on a lot of suppliers, a lot of attendees on whether it was going to happen. All things considered went really, really well. Now, gearing up for the next year, 2022, you know, how is this different than the challenges last year and what can we expect? It's hard these days to compare one year to any other year for anything. And I'd say I'm really cautiously optimistic that we're in a good place with the virus and we're definitely treating the show differently than we have in a long, long time, where we know that a big part of what happens at the show is this sense of community and the industry coming together. And to a certain extent, even though we had a really successful show last year, we feel like the industry still has these opportunities where they want to gather, they want to get together. And we're in a place where we can leverage that for the for the betterment of everybody. That along with, we know there's this inherent passion. You can't stifle that. So being able to build an environment where this can happen is really great. And and that's really what pushes us. When we look at how it's going to be different for 22, I'd say that there's going to be more participation. There's more product development happening. There's more vehicles being built. It's going to be a better show than we've had in a long, long time. So we're excited to be able to, to build it and, and really see who comes out and, and how it's going to go. Yeah, great. And comparing it to, I mean, the last two years notwithstanding, because those were obvious blips, but would, would you say this is kind of similar to like a pre-2020 show in terms of, you know, the level of excitement that people getting back out there? Obviously, the appetite doesn't go away for this kind of an event. But would you say you're kind of projecting a pre-pandemic level show. So I don't know that we're quite there yet, Peter, because there's still some impact on international travel. Mm -hmm. And if we look at it today on the middle of March, there's just some question marks in terms of that. 
And there's the old saying that you never want to waste a good crisis. So we learned a lot over the last two years. And with our show last year, we were able to incorporate some things like wider aisles and some lounge space and things like that, just by happenstance, because we had some last minute cancellations or some companies that couldn't make their their plans to attend happen. So we're not expecting as much of that, but in the don't waste a good crisis category, we learned a lot and we got some feedback from our customers that some of the changes were actually very good. And it coincides with a timeframe where the Las Vegas Convention Center is growing. So we added a hall and we now have the ability to build in some of the things that people really liked in 21 and have them be a feature in 22, but still have the industry back stronger than we've had before since pre-pandemic. So I'm looking for this to sort of be a hybrid as we step back into it. And I'd say we're going to be somewhere between the pre-pandemic and, and what we did in 21. But to put it into context, in 21, we were the largest show to happen in North America. And you know, to be able to, to find a hybrid between that and, and what we normally are, which is the, the second or third largest show to happen, it sets this context of it's still going to be likely one of the best automotive events in the world. And we don't take that lightly. So we understand what our brand means and we understand what it brings in terms of value to the industry. And we really want to be able to build this environment to have this homecoming and see all the product development and all the passion and innovation that's been happening over the last 12 months come to life on the show floor. Yeah. And I mean, I've talked about it before in this podcast, but the pandemic was sort of a, an opportunity back to your, you know, don't waste a great crisis thing where there was a lot of forced efficiencies, a lot of forced, it sort of forced a lot of people to take a good hard look at their business models, not just for events, obviously, but really any other company sort of had to shift and adapt. So I definitely noticed a different feel uh, last year at SEMA. I mean, pre-pandemic, you're sort of, you know, elbowing the guy next to you just to get down the hall. So I did definitely notice those wider halls. Is that going to be a feature kind of going forward? Or well, what are you keeping from this past show going into the future? Some of those things. We, we are going to have incorporate some wider aisles. And we had planned to do that prior to the pandemic, but it created this opportunity to be able to have that happen in those transition years and get people's adoption of it to become more normal. So we will have some of those wider aisles. And, and really, it's a, it's a nod towards trying to make people's time at the show more efficient. And like you said, it, it didn't make anybody super happy that they, they would have to go from one meeting to another meeting and feel like they were swimming upstream. So by being able to create a more efficient traffic flow, which is where the trade show nerd in me comes out and, and you look at what the user experience is like and what it is like to go from one side of a hall to the other or one building to another for a meeting, how efficiently can you be there? And that's been a focus of, of how we've been designing the floor. It would surprise a lot of people to think that we're working on the show two and three years out. And, and literally on Friday, I was having a meeting on, on what the floor plan and, and the traffic flow can look like for 24. So we're years ahead on that. And that helps us be able to plan slowly and go through this adoption period that typically happens. So from a, a standpoint of how is the show going to be different, we're going to be able to incorporate 
some of the things we learned from 20, we're also going to see this adoption that happened with the, the Boring Company Tunnel, which is a Las Vegas Convention Center-owned Tesla model car-driven underground tunnel that really shortens the campus. And it makes our five buildings, which are from tip to tip, more than a mile apart, it brings it all a lot closer and, and sort of unifies the campus. So we're looking at things like that, but then we're also adding some things and we're making these opportunities for content to be created because we've recognized that when you have a show like this with so much innovation and, and you just take the vehicles alone, there's so many new builds that happen every year. And being able to have these areas where somebody could do a podcast and have the infrastructure built in so really they can just sit down at a desk with a background of the show and, and conduct their weekly podcast from the show floor. Things like that are things we want to do because we're recognizing that not everyone's going to be able to go to the show. And while we're likely to have somewhere in the 150,000 to 170,000 person range in attendance, we know there's a global reach to the show. And we want to be able to build in some things they're going to help the rest of the world see the innovation and see what's happening at the show during those four days and really propel the entire industry forward over the next three to five years. Yeah, that, I, actually, I did have a question about sort of the climb in attendance. So you, you mentioned 150 to 175 kind of area projected. What was it pre-pandemic, like in the, uh, in the full chaos and craziness? Yeah, so it was in that same range. And we've kind of always been in that 150 to 175 range. And I'd say pre-pandemic, we were probably closer to the, the 170s or just over. And then as you go back a couple of years, maybe 2014, 2015, we're in the 150 range. So we're seeing our recovery out of this not being what they describe as a V, but being more of a curve upward. Right. So I think we're going to get back to quote unquote normal as we get into the, the 23, 24 shows. But this one again is, is going to be one for notoriety just because of the other events that, that happen in the, the U.S. are all falling under the same parameters. We're excited to, to be part of really two industries and influence two industries, one of them being the automotive industry, but the other one being a leader in the trade show industry and, and take pride in the fact that we're a big participant in that. Um, I serve on some, some boards and I'm in task forces with that, but really seeing what can happen with events and how you can gather people, not only for the, the networking and the, the camaraderie that happens with any community in any industry, but really the business value that happens on the show floor and what that means for the future. But, you know, again, when you take a step back where we are right now and you look at gas prices and supply chain issues and the, the new labor paradigm that's happening, it doesn't make you less optimistic, but it, it makes you cautiously optimistic on how fast the recovery will be because there's this reality around us that has to go through its correction. And then when we, when we establish this new baseline of normal, we'll be able to build on that foundation and really catapult forward. So I, I like it, honestly, that the industry and in, in the, the world, if you will, has kind of taken an opportunity to reassess the value of things like this. And we're doing the same thing. And, and once we establish that new value baseline, 
we'll really be able to start to build. So it's, it's healthy for any event to go through that. And even though it was sort of forced on us with the pandemic, it's a healthy step for building a foundation for the next 10 years. And, and really, when you look at it like that, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying this. I'm just kind of letting you go because, you know, in a previous life, uh, I was in the event space as well. Always been a passion of mine. I transitioned out, obviously, into more media. But I mean, I often was thinking about, man, the amount of pivoting and struggle that, you know, the event teams must have been going through for the last couple of years, just mind boggling. It's a super yeah. big challenge. Yeah, and I'm I'm really lucky, and I'll I'll just talk about that for a second. But I'm really lucky because I've done automotive events my whole career. The last two years were definitely the most difficult I've ever faced. And the good news is, it made everybody stronger. And it doesn't matter what size the event is; they're all structurally the same. So the pressure and the stress that you went under in building the events you worked on, and the the accomplishment and and pride and relief that you had when you saw it happening and and afterwards are still very real across the board. So it's an exciting time and an exciting industry. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, just moving on, before I let you go, uh, I want to sort of give you the floor. Um, we have a lot of listeners, Canadian mostly, who you know might not have had the chance to go to SEMA. If they're thinking maybe this is the year, what, why should they check it out? What, what can they expect? So the, the show itself really is this combination of vehicle builds, product innovation, education, community building, and just industry involvement. So if you've never been, if you're associated with the automotive industry, really from any part of it, we've got something for you that's going to help your business grow. It's going to help your personal growth. It's going to help your career growth. And it really is this place where it's an incubator of ideas. So you get to come and see an industry circling the wagons, if you will, and plotting the course for the next three to five years. And some people will call it a bucket list event because we have this entertainment value that exists. Other companies will spend 50% of their marketing and promotional budget on what they're going to do at the show. And then you've got bigger companies that are using it for just brand awareness. So the cool thing from my seat is you have companies that are anywhere from a concept to just starting out to right in the middle of their life cycle to big brands that are there just for brand exposure, getting value from an event because there's so much going on and we're able to satisfy all these vertical needs in this one horizontal setting. So if you want to see the newest products in the automotive industry, the coolest cars that are being produced right now by the most talented builders in the world and the most influential brands in the automotive industry showing their best and their new products and and really preparing for months and months to be able to have conversations on the show floor. That is what SEMA and the SEMA show is. When you take another look at our association, this is four days of that, but we've got another 300 and and 61 days where we need to take what we get from that show and and really support the industry as a trade association that way. There's very few events where you can come and be part of the industry, but then you can also participate in the trade association that is the voice of the industry. And if you wanted to protect people's right to modify cars or 
you are interested in volunteering on one of our councils and being part of what's happening with the truck or the restyling industry or the collision industry. Like there's so many facets of it that you really can tap into and and start to propel your your personal growth and your your career growth from there. So that's really my thought process on it is if you've ever wanted to to be part of something magical and be on the the inside of innovation and where things are going, this is where it happens and and we invite really all your listeners to to come see it. Well, Tom, that was a hell of a sales pitch, let me tell you. <laughs> I love and, it. And before I let you go. I do have one question to trip you up. Yeah. Being in this industry, you know, we're all gearheads. We all love cars. What's your all-time dream favorite vehicle? So I get a little nerdy on that because I'm nostalgic. And I, I think like everybody, I love three pedal cars. I have two right now. I've got a BMW M240i that I drive pretty much daily. And then I've got a, a 2013 Subaru BRZ. That was the first year for that car that I rip up on the weekends. But my dream car really is the thing that got me excited about working in the automotive industry. And that's a 1983 Volkswagen Rabbit GTI. I'd say it was probably one of the original pocket rockets. And it was something that really set an industry or a segment of the industry in motion. And owning that car, um, I didn't have one until 1987, but owning that car and driving it was the thing that led me to I want to work in an industry that creates this feeling and I want to work in an industry that makes parts to make this car even cooler. I have very few regrets in my life. One of them is selling my GTI and I did that (laughs) when, uh, when I moved to California. So I, I, I grew up in Virginia and then I sold everything I owned and moved to California to work in the industry that I loved. And that was one of the, the things I had to do, but Man, if there's ever a day where I can get another one of those, I hate to say it because it's probably a, a twelve or fifteen thousand dollar car right now, but um, <laughs> that would really be tops for me. No, that's a great answer. All right, well, Tom, thanks for, so much for coming on. Thanks for your time. Really, really enjoyed talking to you. Awesome, thank you, Peter. I enjoyed it. All right, take care. And that's going to be another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. Thanks for tuning in. This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, as always, to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor.